it's important to continue to work on your marriage throughout your lifetime. It's not just you've had the wedding and it, it's good. Everybody lives happily ever yeah, after. Yeah. yeah, it's a continual learning pro progress. Uh, you have to be intentional in order to have a, a good marriage or even making a good marriage great. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, um, I often say marriage doesn't have to be a drag. You hear people joke about the ball and chain or get about the old lady or the old man or something like that. You know, we don't do that. Um, it is, she's too precious to me to make those kind of, uh, <laughs> those kind of comments, you know? And uh, it just, you have to be intentional because marriage doesn't have to be a drag. It can be great. Even if you have a great marriage, it can be, God can make it better than something you can even imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, not saying our marriage was perfect or anything, but we were like, oh, this week should be easy week. We can, we can cruise through this. We don't have any difficulties we didn't think in that area. But as we read through the material and the questions, um, you know, there was a set of questions for me, set of questions for her, and then you compare, you come together. Um, it was just like, oh, okay, maybe <laughs> I could dig in a little deeper here. And then even talking to the other couples, they would bring up things and we were like, oh, wow, we didn't think about that. So there was a lot of those aha moments kind of for, for sections. What I really like about re-engage is that it does, like um, Robert and Denise were saying, is we do do that separate point where Larry looks at the questions and yeah. I look at them and then we come together and uh, we've been married going on 36 years now, but there's still so much to learn. It's like, yeah, we could do better with that communicating thing, couldn't we? And doing it with our this community, it, it brought us closer together. I think we now want to do life together, you know. And so it kind of really, um, because you at the by the time 16 weeks is over, it's almost like the lessons gradually build on the intensity of what it has to do. You know, you start off at first just kind of getting to know each other, tell your life, you know, your story. But by the end, you know, you've gone through communication. You've gone through uh, uh, forgiveness, conflict, forgiveness. expectations. Yeah. Whether you know, just speaking what those expectations are. So yeah. all of those kinds so of things, right? End, you just, it almost. I mean, there. I remember one night that we were together that you felt like you just wanted to praise God for your spouse. You know, it's just like to to honor each other. So it, it was really cool for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Our team has healthy marriages, but what's, what everyone is recognizing is that marriages can be improved because it's not just about Connie and I or Dale and Katrina or Robert and Denise, but it's about you know our children and it's about others that we have an opportunity uh, to impact because at the end of the day, it's really about Jesus. How do we represent him? Right through our marriages, right? And if my if our marriage, my marriage with Connie and I'm it's jacked up, my kids are gonna see that, my grandkids are gonna see that, my neighbors are going to. So keeping those things in mind is that, you know, God is God wants good for us, um, but it also requires effort, right? If you're gonna run a marathon, you're gonna be in good shape, it takes effort. You're not gonna lay on the couch and then go run a 5K. I mean, you could run it, but you're not gonna do very well. Same with your marriage. You're not just going to 
lay around and do nothing intentional, as Dale mentioned, but you got to work at it. And, uh, and it's all for his all for his glory. We benefit from it, but it's for it's for his glory. And then it's for others that that are around as well. You know, how can which we impact it, their lives? Yeah, which makes it the discipleship yeah. part of it, you yeah. know, and it, so it fits perfectly into where we are at Trinity right now, making disciples, you know. So um, when we were in Texas, as they put a work, the word on their door is you come in to a marriage uh, meeting and you leave out as disciples. Well, good morning again, and um, man, it's great to be in worship with you. It's great to be, uh, see your faces. Um, been gone for a little bit, um, but it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been good for me, but it's good to be back and in worship with you um, today. Over the next several weeks, we're, uh, we're going to be actually doing a, um, a really short series on spiritual growth and maturity. We, we want to we, we grow. Um, here, we grow. Here at Trinity, we grow. We desire to grow in our walk with Jesus. Pablo um, Casals, uh, a Spanish and Puerto Rican composer, was considered the greatest cellist to ever live. He died when he was 96 uh, from complications of a heart attack. But when he was 95 years old, he was asked why he continued to practice six hours a day. This is what he said, because I think I'm making progress. 95 and he still practiced six hours a day. He had a growth mindset. He had a mindset that says, I will never attain. I desire to grow. I would hope that I am like Pablo. I'm hope, I hope that you are like Pablo as well, that you and I would never get to a place where we are through growing in our relationship with Christ. I, I hope that you and I are kind of like him. I think I'm making progress. I think that as I read the scripture, I'm making progress. I, I think after walking with Jesus for 40 years, I think I'm making progress that you and I would have a growth mindset just like him, that we would keep advancing in our faith, that we would keep moving forward and not being stagnant because here we grow. Here we grow. So you ask the question, what does it look like? What does spiritual maturity or spiritual growth look like? And I'm going to use these terms interchangeably throughout the message. Spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. Let me give you the definition, and then I'm going to unpack it a little bit. And then I want to deal with two uh, kind of foundational concepts for us. So here's the definition of spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. Spiritual maturity or growth is the process of development of Christ-like character and behavior. 
through a renewed mind and a tested faith. It is the progress of the reign and rule of God in the lives of followers of Jesus. Let me read it again. It says, spiritual maturity or growth is the process of development of Christ-like character and behavior through a renewed mind and a tested faith. It is the progress, the consistent moving forward of the kingdom of God or the reign and rule of God taking root in my life more and more. It's kind of the concept of what it means to be spiritually mature or to spiritually grow. So what I want to do, I want to just unpack the definition. I'm not going to do a lot of unpacking. I want to give you kind of a word association with each each part of the definition. Process, number one. I want you to think, when you think of process and hear process, I want you to hear time. That our walk with Jesus is a lifelong period of time. It is a lifelong process. That you and I are, we don't have a faith that is microwavable. It is crock-potable. It is something that takes time. So if you feel like you're behind the eight ball, like I'm not as far along as someone else, number one, it's not a competition. It is not a, uh, a race to see who gets to the finish line first. It is a process over a period of time, I would dare say, until you and I die. So don't get discouraged with where you are right now. We are taking, we are in the process of time. Development. When you hear the word development, I want you to hear the word change. So development is this idea of transformation. It is changing from one thing to another. It is, if I am not loving now, part of what it means to spiritually grow and mature is that the Spirit of God is going to move me to be a more loving individual. If I'm not patient now, that that he is going to develop me, he's going to develop patience in me as I give him room and space. If I am not joyful, if I am not peaceful, if I am not self-controlled, it is a process of time where he develops us, he transforms us. So when you hear the word development, I want you to hear the word change. And I know that's a bad word in our culture right now, change, is that, that, that there's this sense where we don't like to change. We don't like to reevaluate our lives to see what needs to change and what needs to stay the same. I love, I love um, in one uh, Peanuts comic strip, Sally was struggling with her memory verse for Sunday. She was absorbed in her thoughts, trying to figure out uh, uh, when, um, figure out when she, uh, w- figure out when she remembered. 
uh, figure out, and then she remembered, maybe it was something from the book of reevaluations. So she thought revelation, but she got it mixed up. But she has a point for us, is that our spiritual growth is about reevaluating our lives to see where we are and where we need to be. So what are we developing? We are developing Christ-like character and behavior. So in other words, we are saying there is something about Jesus that I am not like right now, and I am saying, Jesus, I want you to make me more like you. So if Jesus is forgiving, which he is, and he recognizes that I am not forgiving, he is saying, I want to develop a more forgiving attitude in your life. I want to develop a less anxious presence in your life. So it is about this idea, over time, I am being developed to be more like Christ in my character and my behavior, so when life happens to me, if you cut me open, if you squeeze me, then Jesus will come out. If you squeeze me, not those other words, but the words of Jesus will come out. If you squeeze me hard enough, then forgiveness will come out. If you squeeze me hard enough, then patience will come out. So it is about the lifelong process of developing Christ-like character and behavior so that we reflect Jesus no matter where we show up. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. I am just saying that this is what it means for you and I to grow. It's Christ-like character and development where we are becoming more like Jesus every day. And this is interesting because we are all continuing to develop even the preacher. We are continuing to develop as followers of Jesus. So, so this, on Friday, uh, Tanya and I went to the game. It was a great game. Uh, thank you. Yep, yep. <laughs> the, the team, we're, we're against the first game of the, of the year, but it's a good game. So we, so we walked from the Mac to the stadium. So I parked at the Mac, and we walked to the stadium. Tanya had just gotten off work, and I was like really, really impatient. Hey, tell those customers you got to go like 10 minutes before it's over. We got to go because I want to get to the game. I'm a fast walker. I, I think there's only one person who walks fast as I do, and that is Ron Kriegel. Ron Kriegel is an elder. He is a super, super fast walker. So, so I am walking really fast, and so Tanya is saying, you need to slow down. Hey, why don't you give me my ticket, and I'll meet you at the game. <laughs> and it was at that moment the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, your love for your wife means sacrificing your own desires. So it took everything in me to slow down, to walk to her pace. 
But what was happening was God is saying, I want to develop something that you don't have right now. And that is greater patience for your wife. Greater patience when, when life is squeezed. Now, now, we would have gotten to the game. We got to the game in plenty of time. But, but I, I am like, I need to get to the game, and I want to get there, and I want to see everything. <laughs> and she was like, slow down. So, so there's this sense where you have your own walk from the Mac to the stadium as well. Where life is squeezing you and, and, and something ungodly is coming out of you. And Jesus is saying, I want to develop my character in you. I want to develop behavior, Christ, my behavior, my character in you. So when you think of Christ-like character, I want you to think of the word obedience. So the first one is process. I want you to think of time. Second word, development. I want you to think of change. The third word or phrase, I want you to Christ-like character and behavior. I want you to think of obedience. So every day of our lives, we have an opportunity to align our lives with his character and with his behavior, to obey him, all right? So here's, a, here's a, the other part of the definition, a renewed mind. Uh, spiritual maturity and growth is about a mindset. It is about the spirit of God changing our minds so that we are now thinking like God thinks. So this is the reason why it's important to read the scriptures every day. Why? Because this is the mind of God. So the mind of God, the more I read it and the more I obey it and the more I submit to it, his mind is changing my mind. So as we were walking and I, like I wanted to say to Tanya, hey, you just need, listen, we've been doing a 75 hard, we've been walking 45 minutes a day every day. This is what I wanted to say, but I didn't say it. We've been walking 45 minutes a day. This, not, this should not be a problem for you. This is what I'm thinking, right? Like, like, like we can do this. We, we, we can do this. But the Spirit of God said, whoa, if you say that, bro, you, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> and so I remembered stuff. I remembered the Word of God. You need to love your wife like Christ loved the church. And I know I'm talking about marriage, but this works with literally anything. If you're single, this works with your friends. If you are an employer or an employee, this works with your boss and your coworkers. It is about our minds being changed every day. Blake talks about it. It's a mindset change. Before you leave the house, how will the word of God shape my thinking today? So it's about a mindset. It's about renewing our minds every day. And so when you think of renewed mind, I want you to think of mindset. It is our mindset actually influences our actions. So we need to think differently about growth. We need to think differently about how we are um, how we're showing up. And then a tested faith. A tested faith, I want you to think about perseverance. Our minds are renewed by the Spirit of God, and He helps us to endure trial. I want to say this this is not a popular opinion, 
and this is, yeah, this is not very popular at all, that your spiritual growth in mind will not happen through ease and comfort. But in our world, we want ease and we want comfort. We don't want difficulty and we don't want pain. The reality is this, is that the more I take it easy, probably the less I will grow. So there's this sense where God tests our faith and he tests us and he gives us suffering and pain and discomfort and trials and all kinds of tests. And he is testing us for perseverance. He is testing us to say, don't give up, hang in there. I know some of you right now, let me take a, just a minute here. Some of you right now, you hear, you're here today and you are ready to give up. You are ready to throw in the towel on your faith in God. You, like a lot of other people, are maybe deconstructing your faith and saying, hey, you know something? I don't want this anymore. And yet the discomfort in our lives, God allows it to happen so that he might get at what's inside of us so that we might persevere, we might hang in there, we might push through the fourth quarter, and we might get to the end of the, of the game and say, you know something, I, it was hard, but guess what? I kept walking. It was difficult, but I kept praying. It was difficult, but I kept reading the word. It was hard, but I kept showing up in my small group. It was difficult, but I persevered. And then progress of the reign and rule of God. And I want you to think of lordship, the lordship of Jesus. It's about advancing and moving, advancing and moving forward. So that's the definition. I want to give you just two things now. The first is this. When we talk about spiritual growth and maturity, we want to lay the foundation. And the first point to the foundation is this. Spiritual life precedes spiritual maturity. Spiritual life precedes spiritual maturity. Let me read you here, here are a couple of verses that kind of helps us to understand this. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Verse 23 is the key. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And then 2 Peter chapter 1, verses uh, 3 and 4, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So this is what Peter is doing. In both these verses, he is trying to help his congregation understand spiritual growth, especially in loving other people. The quintessential evidence of a mature faith or someone who is maturing and growing is loving other people well. So part of what it means to grow and to be mature is that I will grow in my love for God and my love for other people. 
So those individuals in your life that you have a hard time loving, I believe that God has allowed those people in your life and my life so that we might grow in love. I know you want to kick them out of your life. I know you want to get rid of them. But, but, but before you do that, God is saying they are there. Their presence is there because I want to help deepen your love for people. I know we don't like that, but yet that is a part of our growth, our, our growth mission. The reason why they could love and love well It was because of the origin of their parentage. Now, what I mean by that is God was their father. God caused new birth in them. That these individuals who were not believers had a collision with the living word of God. You see, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We could not respond to God. But the Holy Spirit used a man or a woman or a Bible study or a Bible lesson or something you heard. And now you've had a collision with the word of God. And all of a sudden, you are now saying, oh, God loves me. Oh, God has a plan for my life. Oh, you mean to tell me that God sent his son in the world so that he might die, so that I might have life, so that I might know my heavenly father. That was a collision with the living word of God. This is what happened, is that you and I were dead. We could not respond. We heard the word, and it was like, it was like those paddles clear. Our hearts started beating again. We are now made alive to God. We are now, we can hear him, we can see him, we can now enjoy what God has for us. Why? Because he has caused us to come alive. Now, the interesting is that there are a number of people, no condemnation, no judgment here, there are a number of people who got it inverted and backwards. They're trying to grow without being born again. They're reading their Bibles, they're coming to church, they're doing all the right things, but their lives have not been changed by the collision with the living word of God. And so there's frustration. I I read, but I don't understand. I come to church, but I don't really like it. And I, I, I come to small group and I hate those people. And it's like, whoa, it's like, it's like maybe we've, we've got it inverted. Maybe we've not been born again and we're trying to grow. So what happens first is born again, life, and then growth happens. So there's this sense where, where um, we, we know something. The, the first step to growing is having life, is responding to the call of God to repent of our sins and to follow Jesus. Here's something that you may not know, but I want to help us to know that every single person in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a desire to grow. So Marvin, I don't think that's true. It is. So what I don't feel like I have a desire to grow. 
but the desire is there. You know why? Listen to the text. I want you to go back to verse, um, verse 23. I want you to go back to verse 23 of First um, Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And here it is. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable. So check this out. You and I have the seed of God in us. We have the seed. This is the reason why I know we have the desire to grow. The reason I know we have the potential to grow is because we have the seed of God living inside of us. We have the nature of God living inside of us. The moment we were born again, God placed his seed in you. He placed his seed in me. He placed his life in us, and that life is filled with potential to grow. But what ends up happening is this, is that we allow distractions to cover the seed. We allow life to cover the seed. We allow all kinds of other things to cover the seed so that we now don't feel like growing. So we allow TikTok and we allow Instagram and we allow Facebook and we allow all kinds of other things to cover the seed that, that God desires to grow. And you know what ends up happening? This is, and my friend Matthew Shaner just helped me to realize this at the, after the first service. This is what God does. God says the seed is covered. It's trying to push through the dirt. It's trying to grow, but you've covered it with all kinds of stuff. So what I'm going to do, I am going to bring hardship in your life to till the ground, to move all of the junk out of the way so the seed has room to grow. Oh, we don't like that. We don't like God tilling the ground. We don't like God uh, moving stuff out of the way so that the seed might grow. So God, sometimes he brings suffering into our life. Sometimes he brings a loss of a job in our life. Sometimes he brings discomfort in our life. Sometimes he brings sickness in our lives. Why? Because the seed is so precious. The seed is so powerful. He says, there's a lion inside of you. I am trying to get the lion out, but you've covered it up. And he says, I will now bring some stuff in your life so that the seed might grow. It was only after Job lost his family and lost his fortune where he was able to say, for God I live and for God I'll die. It is only after we've gone through the gauntlet where we began to see Oh, that's what God was trying to grow up in me. And it'll never happen apart from some pain and suffering and discomfort. The seed is trying to push through the ground. You have the desire to grow. You have the potential to grow. Every single person who's a follower of Jesus. But what we've done, we've covered the seed. We've gotten distracted. We've gotten off course, and God says, I need to bring you back. Sometimes it's through a message like this. Other times it's through pain and suffering. Other times it's the Holy Spirit bringing to your attention. You say, like, I have been on TikTok five hours. And it's like, and the Holy Spirit says, so when was the last time you read your Bible that long? 
Like, whoa, that stabs. Like, like you've done literally everything in the world. But when was the last time you talked to me like that? Like for those who are single, you got, you got, your, you got your little boo, you know, you're kind of booed up and, sorry, you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And you talk to them like for hours. You, you remember that? Some of you may be doing it now. You're talking, it's like, and the Holy Spirit shows up and says, so when was the last time you talked to the father that long? It's like, wow, man, I'm convicted. So God uses a myriad of things to bring the seed to the surface so that it might grow and be nourished. So, so spiritual life precedes spiritual maturity. So if you have spiritual life, you've, you've, you've said, Jesus, I am following you. If you have spiritual life, one of the things that I would do, just thank God for spiritual life. Thank God for your spiritual life. Thank God for the seed that he's planted in you. Thank him for the potential for you and I to grow. And not only thank him for it, but begin to nourish the seed. Seeds that are not nourished will not grow. Seeds that are not cared for will not grow. And so spiritual life precedes spiritual maturity. And then lastly, God desires and expects his people to grow to spiritual maturity. This is foundational, people. This is foundational, that, that spiritual life comes before spiritual maturity. And then secondly, God desires you to grow. He not only desires you to grow, he expects you to grow. That the moment you said yes to Jesus and he placed his seed, the seed that caused you and I to be born again, that's when he said, hey, it's time to grow. And here are ways to grow. We're going to talk about that, ways in which we grow, whether it's reading the Bible or prayer through silence and solitude, all of those kinds of things. The idea is that God desires it. And he expects it. Say, Marvin, well, I don't, I, don't, I, don't believe in my, I don't believe in myself. And well, that's okay. God believes in you. He actually believes that you and I can actually move further in our walk with him. Listen to the text. It says in, uh, this is verse, uh, this is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. There are a couple of things uh, in this verse that show up that that um, that we ought to spurn some things. That is, get rid of some things. What Peter is highlighting here: there are things in their lives and things in our lives that actually cut our appetite for growth. And in this case, it was hypocrisy and malice and other things that cut, the appetite, cut our appetite for growth. And so Peter says, hey, get rid of those things, spurn those things, and then I want you to start yearning. I want you to ask the Spirit of God to yearn for uh, a desire for God, a desire to read his word, a desire to be with the people of God. So we spurn and then we yearn. 
And then, um, and then lastly, he says, I want you to learn. I want you to learn that you, that you grow up in your walk with Jesus. So spurn, yearn, and learn this idea of our spiritual, our spiritual growth. So God's expectations of us are high. They're not just say, hey, I accepted Jesus, now I'm going to heaven. Is now, I, I want you to actually move forward. And part of that moving forward, we're going to talk about that. Part of that moving forward is, and I, I'm, I'm loving others well. Or I'm, I'm, I'm actually allowing the word of God. I'm not just reading a verse or two, but I'm actually allowing it to take root in my life. I am, I am actually saying, God, I, I want to change. I want to be more like your son. And, and God says, I expect that too. I, 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 desire, I desire that too. And it happens, it happens intentionally and not accidentally. It happens through consistency and discipline. So the question that I have for me and the question that I have for you what area of your life is the Spirit of God calling you to grow? What, what, what area, what, what, what intentionality does God want you to put forward to say, hey, here's an area that I desire to grow? We're going to talk about that. This is a question that I want to ask myself, and I'm going to continue asking you throughout this particular series. And over the last, um, say, 53 days, um, this question has been probably even more on my mind than, um, than in previous times. So, and, and I, I'll, I'll talk about this just uh, a little bit and then move on, that over the last 53 days, I've been doing this challenge called the 75 Hard Challenge. Tanya and I have been doing it. Um, she, she already admitted that she kind of petered out and she finished at 46. She there are some things that she didn't quite do on that, uh, on that particular day. So I'm on day 53, where um, you work out uh, twice a day, 45 minutes each. Once, uh, once one of those workouts have to be outside. It has to be outside. You read at least 10 pages a day, um, at least 10 pages. You drink a gallon of water a day. Um, you... Uh, you follow some sort of diet plan, and then you take a progress pick every day. So those are the rules. Um, so when I first started, it was like, and this is kind of hard. And then the more I got into it, like, this is kind of really hard. And... And then I started thinking every day, this is what I sense the Spirit of God telling me. Every day, this is reminding me that I have to be intentional. I have to be intentional and not accidental. I actually have to prioritize some things so that those things that are most important in order to complete the challenge, they, they have to be for, first and foremost in my mind. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm, I'm, after I do my time alone with God, intentionally, 
I am reading my 10 pages. Because I don't want to get to, you know, 11.45 and try to read 10 pages. I'm waking up every day saying I need to start drinking water early because I don't want to have to be 11.45, 11.50 trying to drink 60 ounces of water like I did on Friday. Like, you should have seen me. I was like a madman. Or get to the latter part of the day and trying to get in a 45-minute workout at 11 o'clock at night. So the Spirit of God began revealing to me, here are a lot of other areas in your life where you are accidental and not intentional. You're accidental in going deeper in your relationship with God. You're accidental in your relationship with your spouse and your children. Tanya and I, we have a great marriage. We're growing. But there are some things that I need to be more intentional. The Spirit of God says, you're even accidental with me. That you kind of sporadically, you you kind of read your Bible and you kind of use the Bible, your, your quiet time with sermon prep as well. You are being accidental and not intentional. And the moment I began to realize that, I began to see, oh, this is where, this is the growth. This is the growth that God desires me to have with him. And so God expects, he, he, and he not only wants and desires, but he expects you and I to grow. Because here, we grow. We don't take it for granted. We don't do it by chance. We do it because we love God. Why do we do this? We just talked about it a few minutes ago. Jesus died on the cross, gave us life. And part of our gratitude is that we will grow. We will become more Christ-like our attitudes and our character. We'll do it over a period of time. It's a process. We'll let the kingdom of God take root in our lives so that his reign and rule is bigger and bigger every day of our lives with our money, with our finances, with our relationships. We're going to let the kingdom of God become bigger and bigger in our lives so that a watching world might see, wow, those people look like Jesus. They sound like Jesus. Why? Because here we grow. Here at Trinity, we grow. And I pray that this year, as we move forward, we would begin to see the change and development so that people um, who look at our lives may see that, oh, you look a little bit more like Jesus today than you did yesterday. Amen? All right, let's stand. We'll pray. And if you need, uh, if you want someone to pray with you, uh, our, uh, our prayer team and elders will be down front to pray with you, um, if, you if you need to be, if you need uh, someone to pray for you. So, Father, thank you uh, for the seed of your word. Thank you for the collision that we had with your word where we were dead and now we're alive. Your seed, your potential, the, the living word is inside of us. We now pray that you would help us to nurture and nourish 
that we would develop even this week a Christ-like response to life. That we're going to be challenged with all kinds of stuff this week. And we pray that we would respond like Jesus would. So thank you for placing your seed in us. And now we ask that you would help us to move everything out of the way that would prevent that seed from growing. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a safe, have a safe uh, holiday, and we'll see you next week.